Hey guys, this is Anna. So before we get today, get on with the show today, let's hear from our sponsor. Hey guys, this is the Ramblings of a Transgender Christian Podcast. I am your host, Anna Hudak. And so today we definitely have quite a bit I want to talk about. Um, I think that kind of the theme of this episode is going to be talking, trusting, whatever, you know, to God. Um, just, you know, kind of just talking to him. In general, this is going to be a much more um, religious episode. Because I know that as of late, uh, probably like what, the last two months, we've been a bit more political than religious. <clears throat> but today, I want to kind of just kind of dedicate this episode to more of a religious theme. Um, so, you know, so I have a few things. So I have a few articles. Uh, I have a Reddit forum I want to talk about. A really good article I want to talk about, but also just some thoughts I've been having. But anyway, um, let's move on, you know. Let, let's stop hearing me drone on about what we're going to do and actually jump into it. Okay. So the first thing um, is some, just some stuff that's been kind of on my mind yeah, lately. Um, oh, by the way, before we finish, uh, continuing on, I am so sorry. But uh I just have to notice, note, especially for video viewers, um, but I mean, just for anybody in general, you listening cannot see this, but I finally, last night, learned how to do a ponytail. Um, uh, my mom taught me how to do one. Uh, I kind of take this as the evidence that she might finally be starting to tr see me as her daughter. Um. Because I know that she's, she's been kind of resistant to um, kind of really see me as her daughter. I think, but last night was kind of the first night where it's just like, I think she's starting to see me as her daughter. And it, she literally just taught me how to put my hair up in ponytail. So I tried it this morning all by myself. It probably looks horrible. Um, I'll let you, the video viewers, decide just a second. Don't know how good of a view you got of that. I can't see. Especially because I don't have a, a hand mirror if I can use to see behind my head. So I have no idea how it looks. Um, it's like, if it looks fucking awful, I am so sorry. Um... I, of course, will be going out in public today, um, rocking that, and, I mean, my hair always looks horrible anyway, so I don't care too much, but since this is a bit more obvious than my hair usually is, because usually my hair is just, like, combed down, you know, I don't know, I don't really do anything with it, like, I feel like it's usually less noticeable, but people still will stare at it, because my hair is all over the place, and really poofy and frizzy, um, and, but yeah, this is, um, we're gonna up the embarrassment today, so, yay. Anywho, um, back to what I actually wanted, wanted to talk about, um, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that, because just because it, you know, it's kind of a big thing for me. But yeah, anyway, moving on, <laughs> for real, uh, you know, um, It's been hard for me the past few months to really talk to God. It really has been. A lot of it has to do with the fact that I don't trust God, but also the fact that, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Like, I feel like if I, if I pray to him when I need help, and I'm just using him as a crutch to rely on. But also if I don't pray to him for help, then like I'm just kind of telling him that I don't trust you. Because to be honest, I've not really been talking to God very much. Because I feel like that I'm not really worth anything uh, to him. I failed him, I guess is the better way to put it. I like, I feel like I failed God. You know, like, 
I don't know how uh, to, like, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of how to put this. Like, like I just don't know how to keep up a relationship, you know, with him, I guess. You know, like, I don't know, like, I really don't know how to describe it, like, I'm sorry, like, I, I know this is horrible, but, like, I just cannot, I just don't know how to, uh, to say it, you know, it's just, you know, it's hard for me to even read the Bible, you know, um, haven't really been doing that, you know, I don't really pray to God, you know, and when I do, it's usually praying for others, you know. Pretty much only pray to God when I kind of really have to. I'm trying to get myself to pray to him more, but I just don't see a reason to do it for myself because I feel like I failed him. I am so driven by anger and fear. Like, I mean, they are pretty much my driving things, you know. Um, I'm a very angry person, you know. Like, I'm constantly thinking very violent thoughts towards people, you know? Wishing death upon others, you know? Just because I disagree with him, you know? Because it angers me just seeing people say these horrible things about other people, whatever. And then, you know, so what I respond with? Oh, I can't, I hope you fucking get killed, you know? Um, oh, I'd love to kill that fucker. Um, piece, you know, fucking piece of shit, you know? Just like shit like that, you know, comes in my brain. Like, I'm no better than those people. You know? All I have is anger and fear. You know, like, I've been thinking a lot about, uh, you know, especially fear, you know, just how much that controls me, like, just paralyzed from doing anything, really. Paralyzed from bettering my life in any way just because the might happens are so strong. You know, I'm terrified of being harassed at a job for being trans. I'm terrified, you know, that I will never really find a family. Terrified I'll never be able to make friends as Anna, you know? Every friend I've really ever made was before I transitioned. You know, before I was living as Anna. You know, at least offline. I mean, on at least, yeah, offline. You know, I mean, I made friends online as Anna, but that's online, you know, it's different. When it comes to offline, I've never made one as myself. And even the friendships I really do have now, I'm not very good at. Like, I'm a horrid friend. Like, I'm not joking when I say that you don't want to be my friend. <laughs> you know, like, I am not good at friendships. I don't really know how to maintain them or what to do or really how to be a friend. Just because, like, I don't have that experience that much, you know. Had some when I was like a kid, but that's back when I was a kid. You know, like I didn't really have those friendships during that transitional period of my life when I was, you know, a teen. You know, when schedules get busier, you know, you had to start kind of doing things on your, you know, going out, you know, doing a job, you know, and stuff like that. Just like, you know, when you have freedom and all this stuff, like, now all of a sudden, like, I'm just being thrown out there, expected to, you know, like, last time I really had friends was, like, when I was, like, 12, 13, and then now I'm 22, and it's just, like, I'm expected to know how to, you know, maintain adult friendships, like, that terrifies me, especially because, like, I don't see myself as a good friend to the ones I currently have. 
You know, and that's also one of the reasons why I don't think I'll ever find a family, you know. Just because, like, I am so terrible with my current friends. You know, I'm not a pleasant person to be around in real life. You know, I don't really get to talk to people, ever. You know? I just don't get to sit there and talk with other people. And because of that, I am a horrible conversationalist. You know, like, if I don't really know you super well, or even, you know, if I do know you, like, I usually, you know, won't talk much. But once you get me talking, I don't shut up. I will talk your ear off. And even when you start trying to talk, I will immediately just interrupt you and start talking again. Just because I have so much to say, just because, like, I never get to talk to people. And so that just drives so much of my fear, you know? Like, at a job, you know, like, another thing that terrifies, you know, and that's one of the things that terrifies me is turning off my employers and fellow employees because I don't know how to handle myself in a conversation, you know? But there's also the fact that I am a very slow processor, you know, I am a person who has to do things slowly. I'm somebody who thinks things out slowly. I'm someone who needs everything explained out. Just detail by detail, you know. Like, you like you can't just say, hey, you know, like, give, like, these broad, uh, you know, um, um, what do you say, instructions, you know. I need to know exactly what to do at every stage or... You know, you just let me do whatever the hell I want. Like, I am a person of extremes. Like, either everything needs to be completely detailed down to the finest detail, you know, like, you know, or, you know, you just let me do whatever the hell I want. You know, like, I literally cannot operate in the middle space. Like, I, I just get paralyzed. Like, I don't know what to do. You know, and it's gotten me on my employer's bad side many times in the past. Like, they, I remember many times of them just getting angry. Because, like, I just needed all the details, every little detail. Because, you know, they always had to do something according to corporate. But then they just say, hey, I just kind of do that. It's like, okay, but how do you do this? Where, where exactly do you want that? Where exactly do you want this? It's like... I need everything 100% detailed or nothing detailed at all. And I can just do my own destiny. Like, I have, you know, no choice in it or complete choice. Like, that's what I need, you know. And that's part of my fear is just because I know that it's something that annoys most people and I get it. It's just kind of like who I am, you know, and I'm just a very slow processor and I, ha and I work slowly just because that's who I am. Like it's hard for, like if you ask me to get things done quickly, like I'm just burning myself out. Like I can't do it. Like I literally physically and mentally can't do it for at least for long, you know, but that's what they expect. They expect, you know, everything done quickly, 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 you know, and if you don't do it quickly, 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 you know, when you're... <laughs> On their bad side. And it's like, I can't. Like, unless you expect me to leave the job within two months. Like, I've left a lot of jobs really quickly just because because I burnt out so quick. Just because, like, they expect everything done so quickly. And I literally cannot physically and mentally hand, handle that. Like, I am a slow person. But, like, nobody wants that. You are expected to be fast as that. You gotta process everything fast. You gotta just do everything, get everything done. You know, it's just like, I can't do it. I literally cannot. feel worthless I feel like no matter what I do I can't do anything right can't do anything right when it comes to relationships can't do anything right when it comes to jobs I always just end up you know Annoying people in some way. I mean, just so many friendships have just fizzled out because I just suck to be around. 
that you just can't stop talking because I am so slow. Because so much, because I do have so much trauma and it just impacts how I treat people. Or the things that I talk about, like I'm not an overly, not really all that positive of a person to be around. Because all the thoughts in my head are always just so constantly negative, especially traumatic memories. Like, literally, like, 90, like, I'm not joking when I say, like, I cannot remember, like, probably 99% of my life because I've had to block so much out. Like, my brain is just used to blocking up memories now. You know? But most of the memories that I do remember are very traumatic ones. And when pretty much all you can really remember of your life is bad things happening to you. Like, it impacts who you are as a person and your personality. I am not a positive person to be around. I hate it. I just live in fear. Live in fear that forever I'm just going to be feel alone and lonely. I am forever just going to burn bridges with people because it seems like I can't go anywhere without burning bridges. For so many reasons. I mean, even my own family doesn't. Really, least you know what's much to do with me. And if my own family doesn't, like, why would I think anybody else does? I mean, my family knows me better than, like, you know, so for the people, you know, who I grew up around, you know. Like, I just don't want to talk to God because of it, because... All I see in my life is failure, just being held down by fear, you know, and just failure and just trauma and it's just, I don't really want to talk to God, like I feel like I've just failed him. Because I suck so bad at relationships, I can never be what, you know. I'm supposed to be at my job, you know, which is supposed to be this fast processing, fastly getting done person, you know, and you're supposed to do your best at job, you know, to, to, you know, do your best at your job, you know, to serve the Lord, you know, like, whatever. Like, I can't, like. I just feel like I'm worthless. I failed. God and everybody, to be honest. And that runs me. That just drives me. That fear, the anger, the anger of, you know, just, I mean, a lot, most of it comes back to, you know, my parents abusing me and not, you know, allowing me to transition and me never having gotten over that. But now a lot of it is also just because of my own personal failures, my own especially my failures and having relationships. It just drives my anger so much. Don't really know how to overcome this if it's even possible. Like, I'm not a good person. You know, like, I often think about how nice it would be to meet some of the people that I know online, you know, in real life, you know, offline, you know? My friend from Oklahoma City, my programmer friend who lives in New York, wants to move to, you know, but wants to work for Microsoft. You know, there's this one YouTuber who does music. Think about, you know, how nice it might be to meet him someday. You know, and others. But then I remember, oh yeah, I suck in real life. This is like, maybe it wouldn't be that good an idea. 
there's no way in hell they like me after this. I mean, the only reason they like me right now is because it's harder to be, you know, to be an interrupting asshole uh, online, you know, when you're speaking strictly through messaging apps um, than it is in a real-life conversation. You know, it's harder to completely just run your mouth off, you know, nonstop. In a messaging app, you know, when you're messaging via text or signal or Twitter message, you know, the Twitter inbox, you know, like then, you know, talking in person. Like, scared of him, you know, if I were to ever meet him in real life, you know, offline. Um, they would want nothing to do with me afterwards. But the only reason they you like me now is because my online persona, you know, I feel like that's the only reason anybody likes me at all. Because my online, who I am online, and that's not me offline, like, I'm someone who's just a very unpleasant person to hang around with. And because of that, I just don't really talk to God. Especially when I see God is the biggest failure of my relationships. How I, you know, just doesn't seem like I can ever be consistent in praying or reading my Bible or just trusting in Him, you know. Like right now, you know. I mean, Sony just sent me 50 bucks yesterday. I don't know why the fuck they would ever do that. To be honest, like, I don't deserve shit like that, you know? I mean, what did I ever do to deserve a gift? I'm not that great of a person. But Sunday did. You know, and I've been in a lot of trouble lately. You know, I've been starting to apply around to jobs again. It's been, you know, scary, but I've been doing it. But the problem is, you know, I got 52 bucks in overdraft fees. I am completely almost out of gas. Like, I'm not joking. Like, I have almost no gas left. And I can't pay my phone bill. You know, so like that 50 bucks, you know, goes... You know, and, you know, I'm also getting low on food. Um, you know, definitely goes away towards, you know, um, almost, you know, fill, you know, pays off the overdraft fees. But, you know, I'm still looking at that gas tank. Like, why am I not going to be able to go anywhere, even if I were to get a job? You know, and, like, just finding myself not really sure if I could trust God on this, you know, to provide. I mean, sure, he just had somebody send me 50 fucking dollars. Fifty dollars Sunday just sent me. And here I am like, I don't know if God could provide, you know, for the phone bill or for food or for, you know, gas, which I desperately need, you know, more than any of these other things, you know, probably. Uh, like, like, I'm used to not eating much food. Like, I'm just being honest. Like, I'm not joking when I, when I say because, like, of how little food I ate when I was homeless. Um, last year, uh, I can literally go 24 plus hours without eating. Well, no problem. Like, it's not even a problem for me anymore. Like, I can do that easily. Like, to be honest, like, I usually end up having to force myself to eat a lot of dice just because, like, I'm just used to not eating at this point, you know? Like, I, I know I can go a long time without eating, the gas I need. Like, I need it to access the internet. Because I don't have internet in my apartment. I need it to go to my parents. I need it to go to any store or, you know, to to an interview. And if once I do finally get a job, you know, to that job. It's just like, I don't trust God for that, you know. And yet, each just had 70, 70, 50 bucks. I don't trust them, you know. Last year when I was homeless, there were plenty of times when I was genuinely broke. I had literally no money, and I was completely homeless. God brought me through somehow, and here I am. 
Not trusting God at all. I mean, this is why I view myself as a failure when it comes to God. Like, I've seen him work so many times in the past. Like, I was literally homeless and broke a year ago. God brought me through. And here I am today, like, there's no way in fuck that God ever provides me gas money. There's no way in hell that, you know, God gives me food to eat. There's no way, God, way in hell God provides me, you know, money to pay off my phone bill so that, you know, these prospective employers can call me. Why, why am I like this? I should be trusting in him completely. But now my fear runs me at the end of the day. And this is why, you know, to be honest, I don't really want to talk to God because I'm so conscious of this. You know. Um, sorry. <laughs> if I gave you a scare on video, is this because, like, I was, I was pretty much zoning out. Then there's this little, like, gnat that landed on the table in front of me where this phone is laying recording me. And it just, like, immediately just, like, flew off. And <laughs> it, that startled me because I was zoning out. Um. Anyway, I am so sorry. Um, if I, it's just, I am so sorry, but yeah, especially if I gave you a scare on video with my facial reaction. But anyway, um, anyway, continuing on. Um, you know, it's just like, why should I talk to God when I don't trust in Him? You know, trust in Him like this. You know, like I should be doing. Like, why? I don't see a reason to talk to Him when I can't trust Him. Despite the fact he's given me every reason to trust him. I don't know anymore. I really just don't. Just I guess isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, this is kind of where I am. Who I am. Me burying out my soul, whatever. To a bunch of fucking strangers on the internet. Who I'm probably never going to meet, never going to hear from. You know, that's the sad thing. I feel more free. To talk to, you know, complete fucking strangers on the internet. About my struggles in life. You know, whether on this podcast or this blog. And I ever have been to a single person I've ever known in real life. Like, if you've been, like, even before this podcast, like, if you've been, you know, following me, following my blog, you know, like, I know that some of you, you know, I am so sorry I forgot to turn off my, uh, ringer before I started recording. So, yeah, that's my, um, Ringtone, I am so sorry if that, like, I know that came through. I am so sorry. I am so fucking sorry. I forgot to mute my, to silence my phone before recording. And yes, for anyone wondering, uh, that is, I believe, the battle theme um, from uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Um, my, uh, my, my, uh, Messaging ringtone, which you'll probably hear in a moment because we're going to leave me a message because it's Walgreens telling me, hey, idiot, pick up your fucking progesterone and estrogen, which I'm probably not going to be able to do because I don't have gas to go there and I too far for me to walk safely. Um, you know, I'm going to have to walk to the library today um, and to walk, get there and I have to walk through um, uh, a not very good neighborhood, including the neighborhood that harassed me for being trans twice in one walk, so I'm really looking forward to that, but you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to walk to it. Um, so it's like a new the internet. Um, what am I even talking about? Oh yeah, you know, so it's just like, um, you know, uh, but yeah, that's the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 battle theme. Then uh, my, uh, you know, like the notification theme that I use is uh, the message, the uh, 
the mission update um, sound from Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Um, and I don't know what I use for my clock, you know, for my alarm. I, I ever used the song Clocks, you know, the instrumental to Clocks by Coldplay. Or I use um, the Torna theme from the game, but... Um, But yeah, if you can't tell, I like Xenoblade Chronicles too. Just a little bit. Just a little. Um, I put like 74 hours already in it this year of that game, playing it for the first time. Um, there was one week, just like a week ago, where I was playing that nonstop, where I literally put 30 hours in just one week of that game. So, you know, I like that game just a little bit. Just, 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 just a little. Just a little. Um, you know, so... You know. But anyway, um, we need to move on. <laughs> we desperately need to move on. Talk about other things. Um, so she's gonna need to go to the library soon. Um, while I wait for my phone to read, but for the gonna have, to have my phone recharge a bit before I go there. I gotta play Lost Odyssey because I finally got my Xbox 360 working. Um, Hasn't worked in about a year, but I finally got to work. I, I, I like, it just started working again, which makes me very, very happy because I love my Xbox 360. It is my favorite console of all time. Um, I mean, I, I have more Xbox 360 games than any other console. Um, and I still have like almost 200 games I still want for that console. Like, I'm not joking. I love the 360. Just love that console to death. You know, um, and I, I've had like this big backlog of games I've been wanting to play for a year and games I wanted to finish. I started a year ago, like Lost Odyssey. I started Lost Odyssey a year ago. Now I got to restart the game, you know. But, oh, well, I had like, only three hours since the game anyway before I left because, well, I ended up homeless. Um, you know, my Xbox 360 started working. Even about a week later, I ended up homeless. So, um, you know, can't play your Xbox 360 when you're homeless, even if it did work. I had to leave it at my parents, unfortunately. Or did I? Or did I give that to my friend to take care of? I don't remember. I gave a few of my consoles to one of the friends to store, but I don't remember which ones. The only ones I took with me were my Nintendo handhelds, my Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, DSi, 2DS, and Switch. Those were the only consoles I took with me to the homeless, while homeless, to keep me company and having fun. Um, but yeah, no, I think I gave her my uh, Xbox One X. I think that's why I had her keep for me. I don't think I had her keep my 360. But anyway, you know, so like, um, gotta get back into Lost, Lost Odyssey. Um, um, you know, there's uh, several games I've heard really great things about, but I've not yet, but I've yet to play. Um, this past year, I bought Halo Reach. I bought Fallout New Vegas. I've never played a Fallout game before. Um, and, you know, like, I actually posted on, uh, on my, um, twi my Tumblr, Twitter, and, uh, um, um, uh, Instagram alts, um, uh, because I do have a alternate account where I kind of talk gaming every now and then, you know, at least once a week, I post something on those accounts, uh, called The Socialist Gamer, I'll try to remember to leave links to those if I remember, but, you know, like, um, you know, uh, just kind of, you know, like, Posting, you know, Halo Reach, Red Dead Redemption, uh, Wolfenstein 2009, and Fallout New Vegas. Like, hey, these are all games I've heard really good things about. I have never touched them. Which ones should I play? Pretty much the response I've heard so far is Fallout New Vegas. So, I ain't gonna probably give that game a go. You know? Um, playing through Crackdown, you know, love that game. Crackdown is my favorite Xbox franchise of all time. I know I'm like the one person in the world. Crackdown 3 is my favorite game ever. Um, there's no game I've ever played that gave me as much fun as Crackdown 3. Um, you know, I, I enjoy the first two Crackdown games, but I mean, I, I really like the first two Crackdown games. Not as quite as much as Crackdown 3, but honestly, Crackdown is my favorite Xbox franchise ever. And it genuinely disheartens me that it's probably dead. Um... Because seriously, people, Crackdown 3 is actually pretty good. Like, I'm not saying it's a great game by any means. Like, 
It's like maybe a six or seven out of ten, you know. Um, six if you're being mean. Seven, most likely. I could maybe see the argument for eight, but I think it's probably more like a seven out of ten. It's just so fucking fun. I have never had more fun playing a game ever than Crackdown 3. Um, I've played that game through five times now. Um, like, I am suck at gaming. I am a very terrible gamer, but, um, you know, like, so, like, I usually have to play things, you know, on easy mode. You know, maybe every now and then I can easy eke it out on normal, but, you know, like, I always try a game first on normal. But usually the game ends up being way too tough for me, so I just send it down to easy. Um, Crackdown 3 is the only game that I can beat on the toughest difficulty. Like, I like I beat that game, I think, what, three or four times now on the toughest difficulty? Um, but yeah, you know, like, it's really the only game, just because, like, and I love that game. Haven't played it in about a year, I need to play that again. You know, I actually might, you know, might start up another playthrough after this while I wait for my phone to recharge. That might be the game I play instead. Nah, I'll probably do Lost Odyssey. But maybe later today I'll do Crackdown 3. Seriously, love that game, baby. Love, love, love that game. Yeah, I don't know why the fuck I did that. That was so cringe. But, you know, like, I even got, like, I even bought the uh, steel case for that game. Like, I don't buy steel case games, you know, like... I don't really care for them very much, you know, like, I'm not somebody who really wants steel case games that, like, I bought the steel case for Crackdown 3, which you can see right now if you're watching on video, um, you know, because, like, I love the game that much. Uh, I think the only other steel case game I have is Halo 2, um, and I was simply just because it was, like, seven bucks, you know, at Desolation Army, and it's just like, eh, why the fuck not, it's not that much more expensive than the traditionally a regular copy of that game, so I might as well pick up the steel copy. Why not? A steel book copy. Why not? Uh, but yeah. Love this game. I'm trying to collect the comics because there were actually comics made for Crackdown 3, so I'm... So I hope to get those, um, some point. Um. But yeah. I love Crackdown. Um. So yeah, if you can't tell, I like Crackdown a little bit. You know. <laughs> Love those games, man. You know, I never been really love about the Xbox 360s. It was very much the golden age of Lego games, man. Like, um, Lego Marvel Super Heroes, one of my favorite games of all time. Put hundreds of hours into that. Easily my favorite Lego game. There's Lego Word of the Rings. Um, I enjoyed Lego Batman 3. I haven't played the first two yet, though. Um, uh, let's see. I just realized I've yet to play Lego Jurassic Park. I need to play that one. I think I had that one just a little bit before. I ended up homeless, so never got on to bat. Lego Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, here's something about me you should know. I love Pirates of the Caribbean. I love Pirates of the Caribbean. I am doing everything I can to collect every video game for it. All the comics, all the books, um, and even the trading card game. Because I love Pirates of the Caribbean. It is probably my favorite movie franchise of all time. Um, you know, like I own all five movies. On Blu-ray, baby. Um, I love that series. You know, like, there's really not many movie franchises or video game franchise, you know, just franchises in general where it's like, you've got my money. The moment you release a game or a movie, you've got my money. Like, I'm seeing it or I'm buying it, you know. I, you know, I don't care what the reviews are. I'm buying it. And those are, this is every franchise that I, that I put under that label. If I can think of all the top of my head. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja, this is no particular order. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, The Tick, Tron, Pirates of the Caribbean, um, Sonic the Hedgehog, and Crash Bandicoot. And Crash Bandicoot is my favorite franchise out of those. I adore Crash Bandicoot, baby. Nothing I love more than Crash Bandicoot. I still, you know, I'm like, I need to get Crash Team Racing for the PlayStation 1. I wanted to try to get the the, the 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 platformer games, you know, the original PlayStation 1 versions of the platformers, because I have never played those. I have never played the original PlayStation 1 versions. Um, I definitely want those. Um, I need to get Crash, Ta Crash Tag Team Racing. Um, 
uh, you know, uh, gonna try to get that for my Xbox, for the original Xbox, because I have Graphic Cortex, Nitro Currents, Win Sanity for the Xbox. Um, let's see. Um, I need to get Crash Boom Bang. Um, I need to get um, Crash Purple. Um, um, trying to think, what else do I need from that? Um, I think that's everything. Because, yeah, I mean, I got, um, I also got Crash of the Titans and Crash Mind Over Mutant on my 360. Um, got Crash Nitro Kart. I mean, yeah, I Crash uh, Team Racing Nitro Field and the, Re and the Insane Trilogy Tree and It's About Time. Um, so, yeah, those are just the ones I need to get. But yeah, I love Crash Bandicoot, man. Anyway. I have been droning on long enough about fucking nonsense. Um, let's actually... This is supposed to be a more religious, serious episode. Um, don't, and I am sitting here mouthing off about video games. Um, no, supposed to be an episode devoted to God, and here I am, not him. This is why I'm going to hell. Um, okay. Actually, like, this is going on long enough, I might actually... Hmm. I'm trying to think. What do I want to talk about now? Because, like, I had just been talking so long about nonsense that, like, I kind of did this episode starting to kind of run a little bit, little bit long. Alright, you know what? We're just going to do this speedily. We're going to do this, We're going to go through these speedily, so. Uh, you know, as speedily as I can. <laughs> Which, you know, in my world means not at all. Um... I am dreading this. I am genuinely getting scared this is going to be an hour plus episode. Because <laughs> I don't want. I, I am done doing hour plus episodes despite the fact that just two days ago I recorded my episode, which uh, if you're listening on Patreon, you've already listened to. Uh, but if you're just, you know, a little freeloader, you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're not freeloaders. I love you all. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, but, you know, if you're just listening to the public feed, um, you're going to hear probably next, or is it this Thursday? Yeah, it's going to be this Thursday from when you're hearing this. Um, my episode on debunking gay clabber passages, like an hour and nine minutes, baby. Um, I was fucking exhausted by the end of it. I am never, I hope to never do another hour plus episode ever again solo, but I'm actually getting scared for this episode might end up hour plus again. Um, because I'm sorry, but doing hour plus solo by yourself straight is fucking exhausting. Um, anyway. Um, so, let's stop fucking around and just get into the shit, okay? Um, so the first thing I want to quickly answer is this, uh, question that was put on to the Reddit sub, uh, you know, on Reddit, on the subreddit, um, Ask Transgender, which of course you'll be able to find a link to this in the fucking description. Or the show notes, depending, you know, whether you're listening to this or watching this on YouTube. Um, and the question is, if God came to you and said that he doesn't make mistakes, he made do trans on purpose, what would you say to him? Also, we are assuming he's not anti-LGBT. Let's just say that the Bible wasn't written down properly or misconstrued for people's agenda. Kind of like how people misquote famous people all the time. Alright, so first off, you know, um, I do believe that God... Uh, doesn't make mistakes, and that he did make me and every other trans person trans on purpose, because I believe that there is nothing wrong about trans people, that even if sin had never entered the world, people would still be trans. I genuinely believe that. Um, and yes, the Bible was misconstrued for people's agenda. It was purposely mistranslated, but also people just, you know, take verses out of context, uh, which I have discussed in my uh, debunking trans cover passages uh, episode, which you can listen to. Um, should have been just last Thursday's episode. Assuming that you're listening to this on the Monday that this came out, this episode comes out. But you know, so um, anywho, um, honestly, like I've been thinking about this, you know, and unfortunately, you know, the the, the answers he gave on Reddit were just snarky, mostly "fuck you, God," you know, just like. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I'm certain that if, you know, you were to meet God himself, you know, Yahweh, what you'd say is, fuck you, yeah, I'm, I'm certain of that. Um, 
uh, very certain. Uh, a lot of cocky atheists in this thread, obviously. Um, but I've been thinking a lot about that. Like, what would I say to God, you know? I guess for me, the thing I would ask is, why did you not make it more obvious, more in your fucking face? That, you know, like, I don't know, like, I guess that's not even really a question, because I'll say, like, like, you know, why would he not make it, like, more fucking in your face in the Bible that gender variancy isn't wrong, but, let's be honest, does that even matter? The Bible says very clearly that, you know, you're to help the poor and the widowed. You're not to oppress, you know, um, that slavery is wrong. And yet, the Bible's been used to just like all these things. You know, the Bible's often used to oppress the poor. It is a, to oppress, you know, the orphan. It is used to enslave people. You know, like, it doesn't matter what the Bible says. It could be blatantly open about something, you know. It could say, love your neighbor as yourself. And guess what? Uh, modern... Western Christians are known for hating all their neighbors, unless they look just like them. So I guess that doesn't really matter. Uh, even if God spelled out directly, you know, in the Bible, trans people are awesome. You know, I love trans people. Evangelicals wouldn't give a shit. They wouldn't give a fucking shit. They don't give a shit about what the Bible says now. Why would they give a shit then? You know, fuck it. I, I, I don't even know what I would ask him then. Hmm. I guess I, I guess the answer, I guess then what I'd probably ask is, why would you put me with a family that hated me so much for being trans? Why would you put me with a family that equated pedophilia with being trans? Why would you put me with a family that thought conversion therapy was okay? Why would you allow me to suffer like that? Like, what did I do? Like, why would you allow me to suffer so horribly because of the actions of my parents. Why would you? Why? I guess that's probably the question I would ask God. Now that I think about it. Sorry, <laughs> we're kind of crying there. Anyway, um, so we have this article I want to read. Um, I don't really know much about this dude. I've heard his name, but this article is fucking awesome. So uh, I am going to read it. Um, it is titled, and of course, you know, you'll be able to find a link to this article in the show notes or YouTube description. Um... It's titled, and it's by John Pavlovitz. I think, I hope I did not mispronounce that. Um, it's titled, How to Know If You Have the Wrong Religion. In organized religion, one of the central questions has always been and continues to be, who has it right? For millennia, billions and billions of humans being, of human beings spanning the planet have individually and collectively struggled to correctly discern the source of life. The character, if there, is of one, if there is one of that source, and the implications of that. For some, this has led to fully embracing a precise religious tradition. Others to a vague and shifting spirituality that doesn't quite feel truly at home in any rigid system. And others to be passionately adversarial to a religion of any kind, seeing it as creating more harm than eliminating, than it, eliminating it. Growing up and minister, later ministering in the church, the elemental heart of spiritual community was the stated or implicit sense that we alone had cracked the God code. 
that we'd figured out what every other faith tradition and many communities within our tradition had not. Evangelicalism was less about God was less about sharing God's love with the world around us, but about getting the word the world to be as enlightened as as we were by get, by completely agreeing with us. Believing the right thing was everything. The world was sharply divided between the saved and the damned, and then the greatest imaginable sin was to reject that idea. And it wasn't enough to correct to believe in God. You had to believe in the correct God, adopt, adopt the correct doctrine, and pray the correct prayers, or else your sincerity or judgment, not to mention your eternal destination, were questioned. So yeah, I mean, this is right on point. Um, modern American evangelicalism um, is all about believing the exact right things. It is, if you, like, this is why you see so many, you know, who have the most minor theological differences. Uh, literally condemn the other person as a heretic. Uh, just because they have minor theological differences. Because evangelicals, if you must agree 100% with what I believe. Because I am the only one who's got it correct. You know, and like, you, like, it just amazes me that just how this is genuinely the belief. Like, where in the Bible do you get the notion that you must believe the exact right things all the time? You know, like, I, I, I even as a kid, I didn't quite understand where they, that came from. But, you know, and I kind of recognize that it's out of desire for control. What evangelicals, uh, one is to control everybody. They're not about loving God or loving others. They're about controlling everybody. That's all they want. They just want to be the ones in control. They, they want because they want to feel comfortable. They, they, you know, especially right now in today's culture where, you know, women sort of are having rights. You know, LGBT people are demanding and getting rights. You know, like, um, you know. Black people, you know, dare to say that Black Lives Matter, you know, the horror of it all, you know. Um, it's just like, that's scary for them because that's not who they are. They don't want that. That What they desire is, you know, a, you know, a white male patriarchy. None of these things, you know, like Black Lives Matter, LGBT liberation, female liberation, none of them, uh, none, none of these fall in line with the white male patriarchy that is desired by evangelicalism. And so they gotta, you know, and so they, you know, in white male patriarchy is where they get to control everybody. We gotta, you know, that's all they want is to control. Nothing about it is believing in God or loving him or whatever. Anyway, continue the article. One of the perennial party lines for my mega church days was being a good person isn't going to get you into heaven. Only accepting Jesus will. Um, as if God so preferred some 90-second lip service over a life, long life of kindness. That he would send a loving Muslim to hell while eternally rewarding a horrible human being who once answered an altar call. That seemed like an odd thing for a God who was all-knowing and all-loving to do. That seemed antithetical to love. And this theology has produced some really unloving people who were certain that they have her ticket to heaven punched. So yeah, I mean, exactly. This theology allows you to believe one thing. You can be the biggest shitbag that ever existed. Um, you can believe the most horrendous things. As long as, you know, you just once prayed to, prayed to sinner's prayer. You know, as long as you believe what the evangelicals believed, you know, you can be a fucking shitbag, you know, and who cares? You get to go to heaven, but hey, that atheist on the street who actually does act in a Christ-like manner, nah, we're burning the hell, they deserve it. Can't wait for it. I'll be sitting up there in heaven laughing down at them. Ha ha. Um, fucking evil man. But, continuing on with the article. Since beginning this work as a pastor nearly three decades ago, I've encountered millions of people of faith who believe that religion is a hard pass fail. Um, they are terrified of flunking. At this point in the journey, I don't wrestle with that idea much anymore. 
The answer to the question, do I have religion right, is actually quite simple to me now. And when I, people ask me, I tell them why. The right religious worldview is the one that makes you a more empathetic human being. Period. It is the belief system that enables you to be more aware of the suffering in the world and propels you into other people's lives to alleviate that suffering. If your religion doesn't yield an ever-deepening compassion in you and move you to widen your embrace of desperate humanity, it's the wrong religion. I don't care what your pastor, priest, rabbi, imam, guru, or prophet says. Believing the right thing isn't the right thing unless your life shows the fruit. Less generosity, less empathy, less diversity means you got it wrong. If you've worked a weight loss system for a year with no results, it doesn't matter if the system is solid and proven to work for others. You and the plan are not working together, and you need a new plan. You know what? Can we give this guy, can we give this guy applause? You know, like, a fucking man. I mean, what's the point of being a Christian or does any religion? It the point isn't to be better, isn't to better yourself, to become a more empathetic human being. But, oh, I'm sorry, we can't do empathy because that might mean equality. Yes, no, evangelical motherfuckers are actually literally saying that. Like, they are being blatant. Not like, sure, it's always been obvious that's what they believed, you know, but, like, they never ever said it directly outright that empathy is bad because, you know, that means equality might happen. But, no, they're directly saying it now. They're not even trying to hide it anymore. They're directly saying, yeah, don't people, don't empathize with other people. Empathy is bad. We don't want, we don't want equality. Like, we're just blatantly saying, yeah, fuck equality. Fuck empathy. But it's like, okay, then what's the point of being religious? What's the point, like, if you're an evangelical and you're not trying to, you know, become more loving, you know, become more empathetic, then what's the point of being a Christian, like, at all? Like, the Bible clearly says that, you know, the greatest commandment is love, you know, like. Like, what? Like, I mean, God judged Israel for being inhospitable, you know? Um, you know? God, that's what God condemned Sodom and Gomorrah for, was being inhospitable, like, I mean, seriously, what's the fucking point, like, you can just, you know, you, like, you can believe in literally nothing to be a jackass, like, if you're gonna believe in God, you know, who's loving, and if I don't make clear of that, what's the fucking point, you're just wasting everybody's time, including yours, especially yours, you know, like, just go off and be a jackass, so you got out of it, you know, um, you know, but it's just like, there's no point, like, plus just why wouldn't you want to be more empathetic and kind of a better human being anyway? Like, it just makes no sense. If you claim to be a God and country, Bible-believing evangelical, great. But if you have contempt for immigrants or bristle at white privilege or impose safeguards in a pandemic, your Christianity is ineffectual at best and at worst is toxic. You might want to rethink something. If you believe that because you paid, prayed a magic prayer to set Jesus at summer camp when you were 13, but you can inflict any kind of adult damage to the people and the world around you, and you'll still be golden, wild, gentle, loving, benevolent, and atheist, and Muslims go to hell, you're doing religion wrong. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. And I... I, I It's not what anybody wants to hear, but, you know, it's the truth, you know, like. How arrogant is it of us to believe that because we once prayed a prayer of salvation, we can do whatever the fuck we want, like. Like, because I prayed, you know, prayed to be saved when I was 10, it was perfectly fine for me to go around, you know, saying, yeah, you know what, we should subjugate women. Yeah, you know what, um, we should, you know. Um, stone LGBT people, like, when I was, you know, a teenager denying that to myself, like, like, what? It was okay for me to cyberbully people, because I did that, like, I'm not proud to admit it, but, like, I was a cyberbully, you know, somebody almost committed suicide because of me, because I cyberbullied them so hard, like, and that was after I, you know, prayed the magic prayer of salvation, 
And there I was, so arrogant the whole time. I was a Christian, and I proudly boasted to those people that I was a Christian. Like, how fucking arrogant. How fucking evil of me. And honestly, that's one of the reasons why I view myself as a failure to God, but that's besides the point. If you're passionately anti-religious because you think belief in a higher power is abject fairy tale nonsense, that's fine too. But if you're intolerant to difference and intellectually arrogant in the face of people who reach different conclusions than you have, you are simply replicating hypocrites without the creeds. Yeah, I know, many of you reading this will write this all off as universalistic heresy, and I understand why. When you've been raised to believe that righteousness and rightness are the same thing, you'll do all you can to defend the story in your heads that tells you you're one of the... It actually, he forgot, he seems to have forgotten to write out the rest of the sentence. Um, I'm thinking he's probably going to say good ones, but it cuts off fair. Anyway, um, but if whatever your religious affiliation or spiritual convictions or confession of faith doesn't result in a greater in a life of greater empathy, then what's the point? If you are less loving because of your religion, no matter what that religion is, you got it wrong. Anyway, I just had to read that article. It was just so fucking good. I, I had to do that one. So, anywho, um, time for a good news story today. Um. You know, um, and in today's, uh, you know, and it, like, you, like a lot of our stories, um, this one has to do with, you know, good news for the climate. Because, let's be honest, we could all use the good news when it comes to climate that we can get because, well, things do definitely feel and seem quite hopeless. Um, to be honest, I kind of believe it is hopeless, but, you know, I'll take any good news when it comes to it that I can get. Um... And so today's story, like usual, comes from Good News Network. And of course, you can find the article in the show notes or YouTube description. German company makes concrete to charge electric vehicles from roads with 95% efficiency and low cost. Hell fucking yeah. Um, let's see. Indiana could be the first state in the Union to have a wireless charging road that tops up your electric vehicle as you drive along it. Yeah, baby, my state. My state is doing something good for once. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We're leading the way on a good thing for once. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The first time we've ever done something good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Take that, California and New York. You're behind Indiana. Booyah. Um, sorry. I'm just excited that Indiana, for the first time ever, is actually doing a good thing. This state is such a fucking conservative hellhole where good things come to die. Like, I, I just, oh, so, so good to see. And such a leading to charge on something so good as this. Like, mmm, baby. Mmm. For the first time ever, I am proud to be a Hoosier. Um... Anyway, continuing on, um, Indiana, mm -hmm, baby, um, could be the first state in the Union to have a wireless charging road that tops up your electric vehicle as you drive along it. Uh, so may, may or may not be the reason why I decided to read this article was because of that one sentence. Anyway, um, as the 21st century rolls on, we've all had one, those one or two moments where we see some new technology and the pace of innovation really comes to roost in our heads, normally with some recollection of Star Wars or Star Trek. Maybe for some it would have been the self-driving feature of Tesla or smart home systems, but for motorists in Indiana, um, that may that moment may come by, come by way of new shiny wireless road. While range and battery charging times are getting better every year, it's still the most limiting factor when it comes to the purchase of an EV. The Indiana Department of Transportation, INDOT, um, has decided to tackle that by burying electrified wire, wire coils that create a magnetic field along the road surface, mimicking the way wireless charging stations for tablets and phones are designed. 
In order to use the roads, cars would be fitted with a receiver coil to pick up the charge as they go along, and becoming magnetized through all electricity from the coils themselves. Expected to take three phases, the work will begin in late summer, according to a statement from the contracted German firm in charge of designing and selling the technology, Magment. This project is a real step forward towards the future of dynamic wireless charging, said Maurice. I am so sorry, I just got a text. So sorry that you heard the notification. It was my mom texting me, and there you go. You now know what the sound of the um, uh, mission update in Xenoblade Chronicles 2 sounds like. Anyway, uh, continue on. Um, uh, so this project is a real step forward towards the future of dynamic wireless charging, said Mauricio. Esguera, CEO of Magment, will undoubtedly set this standard for affordable, sustainable, and efficient transportation and electrification. Copper prices are pretty high these days. Early in spring, they were at all-time record, so Magment are ditching copper wire coils for recycled ferrite, which we believe will allow them to achieve transmission efficiency up to 95% and will be built at standard road building installation costs, according to Singularity Hub. If the cost savings are real, then it could start production quite so soon following two planned lab tests. It's the first such electrified charging road in the U.S., and a testament to the pace of change in this field is a projection by researchers working on charging roads at the University of Cornell that would be five to ten years before such technology would be available. The, the Indiana model would represent, if successful, the best in a field that is, is, is no means monopolized. Sweden has electric rails in some highways that allow the largest vehicles on the highway to charge by way of electric arm on the undercarriage that draws power from the rail. Volkswagen and Israeli firm called Electron, um, Electron, whatever, have rolled out a prototype 70 kilowatt hours of charging speed on this road between the Italian cities of Bresca and Milan, a deeply congested and popular long-distance commute. Um, another German firm, Siemens, Simons, I have no idea how to pronounce that, I, whatever, uh, is trying to build a scaffolding of cables and wires above a three-mile stretch of a road. Outside of Frankfurt, they allow charger, cars to charge as they drive along similarly to city trams. And it won't, be long, it won't be long before one of these projects comes good, and motoring is once again changed forever. So, yeah, very good story. I like that one. Um... Had to be a Hoosier for once. Anyway, that is everything I got for today's episode. Going way longer than I wanted. Um, but thanks for sticking around, bitches. Um, I hope that you all have a wonderful day. Peace.